Welcome back, y'all. This is the Dynasty Duo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, CJ Krause, here with my good friend, Tyler. How are we doing, Tyler? I'm great. It's a slightly rainy Monday, but other than that, it is great. I mean, can't hate it too much. It's, if it rains a little bit, it's okay, as long as you start warming up here soon. We were talking about this beforehand. We're ready for spring. That's what we really want. I want summer, not just spring. Just skip ahead of it a little bit. Yeah. Um, on today's show, we're hitting all the news, all the signings that went down, which isn't much in all reality, but we're also doing a rookie rewind of the quarterbacks and running backs of the 2020 class going forward. That's what we got going on today, but let's just jump right into the news. All right, so just before we got on here, a good signing for the Bucks just happened. Gio Bernard heading there for a one-year deal to play what I think is going to be the James White-ish role, but I think it more hurts everyone for fantasy. What do you think, Tyler? I agree. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn's season is over. <laughs> Did uh, it ever start? I, no, but he's probably not even going to make the team, uh, maybe at this point. Uh, yeah, the, any hope of Rojo or Fournette getting passing down work, I think you can take that and throw it out the window. Even now, Geo's probably a better pass catcher, certainly than Rojo, probably than even Fournette. It certainly hurts Fournette more because that third down ro- role is gone. Uh, so unless he can overtake Rojo on the ground, um, I don't know what's going on there. I, I, essentially, this means that I really don't want any of these people. Uh, Geo is just a roster clogger. Uh, the other two are now had all their ceiling taken away. So, yeah, it's just bad. I mean, in full PPR, we could see Gio have some kind of like deep da- deep stash ability, but like it's very minimal. I mean, I wouldn't mind having him. He's already going in like the late 20 rounds of a dynasty startup, so he's not a terrible grab for like a bye week flex or something like that. But I not, still don't want him. Like, I'm not trading for him, but if he's out there on waiver wires or in the late 20s, I'll still take him. Yeah, I still don't want him. I, I still don't want him mostly because uh, Fournette, it's not like it was in New England. Fournette is at least capable in the passing game. I think Gio's more of just a situational player that they'll bring in uh, on third downs from time to time. So it might cap a bit of Fournette's receiving upside, but I, I don't, I can't see any universe in which Gio is going to have any standalone fantasy value unless uh, both Rojo and Fournette get hurt. So. I mean, that's possible with the way Fournette is. Maybe not Rojo. Rojo is pretty sturdy, but we saw a little bit of injury last year. But it's uh, it kills all three of them pretty much. Like, Rojo is probably still the highest value uh, in a dynasty league just because of his age and because he's one year away from being able to be gone from that situation. It's true. But, he's not coming back. I mean, it, he's going to be on another team in 2022. Fournette's older, also on a one-year deal, but... He'll turn 27 after the season. I I think he's mostly on the back end of his career. And Gio is ancient. <laughs> Keyshawn Vaughn is just laughable at, at this point. That yeah. third-round pick just really got nothing out of that at all. A I don't know what happened. rookie there. pick last year for us Dynasty players. It wasn't me, but, like, a lot of Total people. Total disaster, yeah. We'll talk it, about that more in a little bit, though. Yeah. Another one signing. This one actually is pretty significant. 
Jordan Howard a one-year deal back to the Eagles. And it's mostly significant not because it's Jordan Howard, but because this really caps Miles Sanders' touchdown upside again. Because you know Jordan Howard is the one-yard guy. Yeah, he'll have a stat line of six yards, two touchdowns. That's kind of what Jordan Howard does. Yeah. yeah. Now, I don't think that they're done adding running backs, personally. You saw what I did. I don't want to spoil it. But I was uh, in charge of the Eagles in a recent uh, NFL mock draft exercise. And uh, let's just say that I was not done adding running backs. I think that this just tells me that, I mean, really, look, I mean, most NFL teams have three competent running backs on the roster. Right now, I think Philadelphia has one competent running back in Miles Sanders. I, Jordan Howard doesn't count for me. Boston Scott doesn't count for me. Corey Clement does not count. Is he still on the roster? Clement? I think he is, but <laughs> they have, I mean, right now, Scott is, in theory, Sanders is a three down back. Scott is like the third down roll backup, and Jordan Howard is the uh, one and two down roll backup. So, you know, they would uh, Frankenstein a running back if Sanders went down. But I personally believe that they're, this opens them up to make any addition at running back in the draft. They could add a one-two. I mean, this is a tiny deal for Jordan Howard. They could add a one-two down running back in the draft to kind of complement Sanders. They could add a third down back in the draft, just release Scott and go forward with uh, that third down back, Howard and Sanders as their backfield. I I just don't think that this backfield is done adding players to it, especially with uh, Miles Sanders' injury issues. Well, I mean, both Howard and Scott were cheap deals. So it doesn't, yeah. it, it really made sense when they bring them back. They know the system already. So again, it opens up all avenues, all doors available to you. So don't think your, your Miles Sanders shares are safe yet. You're, you're not safe. I would be stunned if the Eagles left day two of the draft without selecting a running back. Remember, I said this on the last show and I'll say it again. I've actually said this many times. The Eagles wanted to draft J.K. Dobbins in the 2020 NFL draft. They didn't do it because, you know, they wanted to take someone else. But I think that, I don't know, at this point, I think maybe they're wishing that they did. And I just, I can't see them leaving day two without a running back. There are a lot of decent running backs in this class, even if there aren't a lot of great ones. So they'll have their choice of someone okay that they can take maybe in the second or third round. And I think they're going to do that. Well, it's an interesting call because we'll see what happens on that one. Just to remind you guys, we are doing a draft day live stream for day one. No running back is going to the Eagles most likely day one. No. I, I can't see that happening. But all the picks that go down day one, Tyler and I will be having guests as well. We're organizing that as we speak. So something to keep in mind, as always, want to make sure you know that is coming up for the draft day. So speaking of the draft here, we're going to go back a year to 2020. Uh, try to remember the good, the bad, the ugly when it comes to these players. We're going to do a rookie rewind as you will. So let's, uh, let's hit the rewind. So starting off here, guys, it's going to be a two-parter. We're starting today with quarterbacks and running backs, which is a big chunk of what happened in 2020. There's a lot of good quarterbacks, a lot of good running backs came out, and some definite, mi- definite misses as well on both sides of it. So we're going to start with the rookie 1.01 last year by ADP. We're using Dynasty League football ADP of May 2020 based on this data. So it's probably the most accurate that we have. Joe Burrow, 1.01 on average there. He had 
2,688 yards, 13 touchdowns, five interceptions in 10 games because he did suffer that horrific ACL tear. What do you think of Burrow? He was good. <laughs> he was good in the uh, in his rookie year. I If you spend the one-on-one pick on him, you're probably not happy uh, just because there are some other players that went behind him that you'd probably rather have. Yeah, I mean, he, he paid off his value in some ways. He, I did write an article about him recently where I expect him to take a significant step forward in year two as the Bengals conti- continue to uh, build their team around him. So I'm pretty high on Joe Burrow. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like him. And uh, he had a successful rookie year. I'm excited to see what he does in year two, uh, potentially with a either a great offensive lineman or a wonderful pass-catching weapon at that number five overall pick. And uh, yeah, he um, he pretty much did what most people expected. I would think of him as a rookie. More Joe Burrow was a hit, but he wasn't a home run. So that's exactly. one thing. Yeah. That's one thing people are like upset about his rookie season. Well, what more could you really ask of him? We just had someone outperform him, but that we didn't expect. You can't blame Joe Burrow for having a very good rookie season. So that's the biggest thing with him. I think he's going to be a lot better next year, especially coming off this injury and more weapons around and more protection around him. I just think he is still a top 10 um, dynasty quarterback, guaranteed. Yeah, he's worth he's worth about his the same because he proved he could do it on the field, which improved his value, but he suffered an injury, which took that improvement and canceled it out. So essentially, from what I've seen, he's basically worth the exact same now as before he took the field. His value really hasn't changed. He's still in that mid-second round of startups, still in the same similar spot in the quarterback rankings around like QB7 or QB8, which is where he was as a rookie coming in. So nothing has really changed uh, for Burrow. And I think that's fine. He's still only 24 years old. And uh, you have a cornerstone quarterback asset in Superflex. And I think you should be happy about that. Yeah, a lot of it's just this FOMO. Just watching um, another quarterback we'll talk about in a little bit do a lot yeah. better um, than anything. But let's move on to the next quarterback. Tua, I'm not going to go over his last name because I'm not good at pronouncing Tiger, it. Tiger Valoa. Tiger Valoa, yeah. Tiger Valoa. <laughs> um, went 1.04 in Superflex May ADP. 1,814 yards, 11 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. That's in 10 game span. So what do you think of Tua? Was he worth the 104 looking back now? No. No, if, if you took to at the 104, you're very, very upset. I mean, I don't have that ADP in front of me, but I assume I can take a guess at who 102 and 103 were. One, one of those two, I think you would have been very happy with. And you're <laughs> killing yourself. You probably actually, for me, I'd prefer, assuming those two players are Jonathan Taylor and Clyde Edwards Hilaire. They are. Um, they are. So I would prefer to have both of those players over to a right now easily. And then I think that there's multiple players behind Tua who I would also prefer to have over him. I mean, we know that Justin Jefferson is behind him, for example. You know, even in the quarterback position, we'll get to another quarterback that obviously we prefer over Tua. So, yeah, I, I, there's no other way to categorize Tua's rookie year other than as a massive disappointment. He was okay, but you just, you're not happy if you took him at the 104. And there are some people in ADP, I always feel like, Back then, at least, biased a little bit less toward the quarterbacks than real leagues do. In a lot of real leagues, I saw Tua go at 102, and those people, you could have had Jonathan Taylor, and now instead you have Tua, you're kicking yourself right now. You, oh, you're you're yeah. like in tears. You're, you, you're mad about that pick. 
which means that people have overreacted and now they hate Tua. So like, again, don't take the hate more than it needs to be, but it, he disappointed as a rookie. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't huge on Tua coming in. He had the injury oh, really? concern. Yeah, I was actually one of the I guys was that was big on Tua coming in. Were you? I was, yeah. I didn't have any picks in that range. So I didn't really have the option to ever grab Tua. I had like a lot of the back end picks and I had, ma- I had like one time I had the 102 and I'm grabbing um, Jonathan Taylor. So I'm pretty happy with that. Like the, I, I made some good calls there, but I just knew he was going to be sitting for a while behind Fitzpatrick and coming off the injury. The injury worried me the biggest thing. And uh, he's kind of shown that he will be a solid quarterback most likely, but never be that quarterback one consistently that we want to have. Yeah. I mean, let's, so let, let's um, give the listeners some idea of what we think about Tua in a super flex league. So super flex, would you prefer, you know, I don't think we have to ask about like Joe Burrow, Russell Wilson. You'd prefer yeah, those guys. Always, yeah. So let's move on to some other guys. Uh, we won't bother with Deshaun Watson, but uh, let's say Ryan Tannehill. Would Tannehill. you rather, so you'd rather have Tannehill. Tannehill, yeah. What, I'm also big on Tannehill. Yeah, was, I'd also rather have Tannehill. What about uh, Aaron Rodgers? Who would you prefer to have? Um, if I'm in a win now window, I'd rather have Rodgers. But if I'm kind of in a rebuild, I might go to a. It just depends on the years out I see my team. I yeah, I agree with that. I have them back to back, and I would feel exactly the same way that you do. If I'm in a death, like a horrible situation, like a deathly rebuild, I'll take Tua. In most situations, I'll take Rodgers. Yeah, I would say it's probably like a 80-20 Rodgers just because what you're getting right away, you know what you're going to have. But two, I could see having, again, he's going to have more longevity in the NFL because he's much younger. Yeah. But he's never going to reach that ceiling. So it just depends on my team looks like. But most likely, I'd probably always lean Rodgers. Yeah, the only thing is, like, Tua, how many guaranteed starting years do you really think Tua has? I mean, really, these kind of quarterbacks, well, what would you say? They get, it used to be five years. Then it became four. Now, really, I think it's outside of rare circumstances like Josh Rosen. I really think it's three years. You get three years to prove it. That's how many Darnold got. Daniel Jones is entering make or break year three. Mitch Trubisky got three years and then in like three games into his fourth year, they yanked him and put in Nick Foles. So I really think you get three years. So two was already expended one year. I think he has two years left as a guaranteed starter. And I think Rogers has more than that. I think Rogers has more than two years left as an NFL starting quarterback. I I'd say he's good for a minimum of three in his career. So I don't know. I mean, I I'm not that high on Tua. Personally. I mean, neither am I by what we're saying right now, but that's the biggest thing. The thing about quarterbacks is there's so much talent and not enough starting jobs. That's why uh, and it gets better as it goes I- in. I mean, I don't if, agree with that. <laughs> if you're adding in what the five quarterbacks coming in and then yeah. quarterbacks coming in, we're talking over the next two or three years. Some of these guys are in that middling might just lose their jobs because there's better players to be drafted in. That's yeah. pretty much what I'm getting at. And then one, one last couple other ones, just because I think Tua is the most interesting of all the 2020 rookie quarterbacks to talk about. The other ones are shorter conversations. Tua or Baker? Baker. I, I feel like I... I don't know. I'm looking at it. I have Tua ranked higher, but that just doesn't feel right to me. Like I, I, I feel like Baker has the two years plus. Like he's so gonna be the starter. I, I don't think Tua does yet. And I'm not even sure if Tua does. Is he better than Baker? Like Baker's not great. He's in that same range of an idea. But like, 
I could, I could, we saw Baker's rookie season, what he could be. And we saw like glimpses of it last year. So I think he still has that in his tool bag. I'm not sure what Tua has. All right. We've gotten a rankings update live on the podcast. I have moved Baker ahead of Tua just because it doesn't feel, it just doesn't feel right to have Tua higher. Just I mean, Baker's I mean, more than young enough. Yeah. I'm in the same boat as you. I mean, they, I just think he's got more guaranteed years. And I think, He's shown more, like and he's had more time to do it. But even in his rookie season, he showed much more than what Tua showed. Yeah, and then uh, another guy I would say is in the same tier as Tua is uh, Stafford. Stafford, Stafford in that tier as well. I put Stafford. I, I love his situation going into the next year. So I, I think they're they're super high on him as well. His contract's good, and Stafford's like younger than most people think he is. A lot of times he just came in like yeah. really young. Stafford and Tannehill are uh, almost exactly the same age. Yep. One hundred. Yep. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's interesting. And I think it's also going to be an interesting conversation to see, you know, with Tua, how do you compare him to the incoming rookies? Cause for me, I think I would prefer to have, I mean, I'd certainly prefer to have uh fields mm-hmm. easily. And of I, course, Lawrence. Yeah. Well, Lawrence is not a conversation. I'm just, I just uh, want to bring it up to make sure you all know that Lawrence yeah. is definitely a Lawrence, yeah, Lawrence is not a conversation versus field, uh, versus well, anybody, any of these people we're talking about, but uh, versus Tua. Fields, I would also prefer. And I think at this point, I would probably prefer to have Wilson as well. And then I'm debating still on Lance. I'd need to see a landing spot on lance to decide whether i'd rather have lance or tua and yeah, mac, I, jo- mac jones no i'd rather yeah, i would i would keep put two above jones i could see it close between wilson and tua just because if they get like they land like a great receiver like chase that could bump up to a little bit yeah it's like that little range of like chase to uh not sorry um we're talking lance to uh wilson yeah just it's just like, for me wilson's gonna have more job security then I've already seen Tua kind of fail. He'll get he'll get a bonus year at least. Yeah, so that's why for me, I Wilson's going to be above Tua pretty much no matter what. And it's it's really Lance versus Tua. The only thing that could change my thinking on all this is if Mac Jones goes to the 49ers. And then I at number three. Then I don't know. I mean, it, he got more draft capital than Tua. He outperformed Tua at Alabama. You know, his best season was better than Tua's best season. At that point, I'm kind of like. You might be forced to. I yeah, I might be forced to, even if I don't really feel that way. Uh, the NFL uh, draft capital might force me in that direction. But anyway, I think that I think that's enough about Tua. Um, it's a polarizing spot there. But let's talk about an exciting yeah. player. Yeah, Justin Herbert, ADP of one ten, probably Ooh. my most drafted player last year, Ooh. just because he going so late in the rookie ADP for quarterbacks. I got him there at one ten. I believe I got him at one ten. I got him at one oh nine. Anything at like one oh eight to one ten range. I was trying to trade into the whole time yeah. just to grab Herbert. And that's just the thing about quarterbacks. You want to have that guy. And yeah, there's a ton of question marks coming in. But where does draft capital? He's a guy you want in that range. But he exceeded expectations that we all thought was going to happen. Like I did not think it was be this good right away. Four thousand three hundred thirty-six yards, thirty-one touchdowns, ten interceptions in fifteen games. What do you have to say about Herbert? Like, I mean, nothing. I actually think there's very little to say about Herbert. I don't think that really at this point with Herbert, it's he's in the second tier of quarterbacks, assuming Mahomes is in his own tier. Herbert is in the next tier with everyone else. So you can place him in there kind of wherever you want. Uh, I'm probably low, a little bit lower on him than most. 
in that I only have him at eighth overall in my startup rankings. Wow. So you, you, you have him above or below um, Burrow? Above. Above. Okay. So you have Burrow at what, nine? No, I have Burrow at 15. At 15 of your? Yeah. So Herbert is in that. So I just start off with all quarterbacks. Christian McCaffrey's in there somewhere, but really, oh, so I thought we were talking about complete only quarterback. I was like, "Well, you've no, quarterback no. So fifteen. I have yeah. at the startup rankings. I just have her. I basically start off with all quarterbacks, and then Herbert is the end of that tier for me. And then you get a bunch of position players, and then you get Burrow. Uh, in starts the next tier of quarterbacks. So I, I see a relatively significant difference between Herbert and Burrow, mostly because Burrow got hurt. So it's injury that really bumps him down to you. A little bit, yeah. I think if Burrow had completed the season, he would be. It would be a debate whether I would prefer Burrow or Herbert. I, I would be close on the two players, but just the injury. I just you know, I have Burrow at fifteenth overall in startups. I mean, that's not low. That's an early, early second. second. Round, yeah. yeah, early second round startup pick is very high, but there are just. I think I'd just rather personally the way I build teams. I'd rather take someone like Jonathan Taylor over Joe Burrow, even in a super flex. I'll, I'll take Justin Jefferson. I'll take AJ Brown. You know, I'll take those kind of players over, over Joe Burrow, who I just don't have 100% confidence in, in the same way I do with Herbert, who I would, we, we don't know what he's going to back from his injury. I don't want to bring too much about Burrow. But we don't know what he's going to look like yet. So we, we got to make sure that happens. And we don't know how long it's going to take yeah. for him to mentally bounce back from taking another hit. But <laughs> Herbert, again, exceeded expectations last year. Question now is, would you take Trevor Lawrence or Justin Herbert? Trevor Lawrence. Okay, why? Because he's better. Justin Herbert is good. Very good. But I do not believe that Justin Herbert will ever challenge Patrick Mahomes for that number one overall spot, that top tier, that value. If you've played in the Superflex League, you know the type of trade value that Patrick Mahomes has. It's like, unlike any other player, no other player comes close. He probably costs about 50% more than any other player. I think that Trevor Lawrence could challenge eventually for that type of value. And that's why I want Trevor Lawrence on my team so badly. That doesn't mean I don't like Justin Herbert. I just said I had him in eighth overall in startups. That, that's not not liking him. That's very much liking him. I have him above every non-quarterback other than Christian McCaffrey. So, so on the table right now, someone offers you 1.01 for Justin Herbert. You're taking that, the rookie 1.01. I mean, you know me. I'll probably try to negotiate to get more because I think you can get more. I think that my opinion is not the majority. Most people, I think, would prefer Justin Herbert over Trevor Lawrence. So I think I could get something with the 101 for Herbert. I mean, I'm in agreement with you. I, th I think Lawrence is better. I th I am higher right in my rankings. So I'm just curious as well, because I have Herbert in a lot of the leagues, and I'm considering making some of those offers to try to get that. Actually, what would you want on top if you were going to be shopping Herbert a little bit? Wouldn't take much. So we're talking like a third, a second. What would be like the number for you? Sure. I mean, I do, I, bonus. I do it straight up, like gun to my head. Yeah. So anything I can get, I, I just think that the value dictates that I should get something, even though I don't have a rank that way, if that makes sense. And this is a good lesson to learn. Don't trade based on your rankings. You should get value based on market value. So even though I have it that way, I'd still like to get something with Herbert because he carries more value according to market, if that makes sense.
No, 100% makes sense. That's something I love to do as well. I'm just curious what you'd be aiming for. Again, I might just, after this podcast, end, send out some some yeah. feelers to people for that 101 because I think I'd just rather have Lawrence just because yeah, my, my we might have. this might be Justin Herbert's best season. That is I don't possible. Think, I actually don't think it is. No, I don't I, think I, it is, but like, it wouldn't, would it surprise you if it was, though? Would you be, like, shocked? I wouldn't be shocked, but I would be a little bit surprised. I, I just feel that... Trevor Lawrence to me is generational and Justin Herbert is not. That's, that's why I feel like it's more of a value thing. Justin Herbert just has, has some issues. He's never going to be ranked in the Patrick Mahomes tier. He's just not that guy where I think Trevor Lawrence could be. And if you can get that in Superflex, then it's worth it. You see what Patrick Mahomes is worth, right? Like imagine what that's like having that on your team. So you can ask for anything. You can literally anything. ask for anything. You can get anything. So that's that's the only reason. But yeah, I mean, I think Justin Herbert is going to have an excellent NFL career. I'm just not sure it's going to be. I don't think he's going to be a. Hall, I don't think he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Put it that way. Interesting. That's if he's going to continue doing this, he might be. But it's, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying. I, I think that this is his ceiling, which he might reach again, but. I think this is closer to his ceiling, Herbert's ceiling. His rookie year is closer to his ceiling than it is his floor. I, I mean, I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, I don't have I have him back to back with um, Trevor Lawrence, but and I so think there's I. a gap as well. So moving on to the next guy, Jalen Hurts was drafted as the two one one or the twenty third overall pick in Dynasty Superflex um, rookie ADP as of May twenty twenty. He's a polarizing player with this. 1,061 passing yards, six touchdowns, four interceptions, 354 rushing yards on 63 attempts in the games that he played. What do you think Hertz is? He's the starter next year, right? Right. I mean, I wrote a whole article about Hertz. If you're noticing a pattern, by the way, from listening to this podcast, I read a lot of articles. So, yeah, I'm not just, like, making stuff up. <laughs> I do a lot of research for a lot of these players. I wrote an article on Jalen Hertz. And a lot of the conclusion I came to on Jalen Hurts is that this is a one-year audition. That's what this is. He has an audition. If he plays well, he's going to retain the starting job. If he doesn't, he's not going to. The Eagles are going to go in a different direction for 2022. So you got to value him accordingly. I don't think he has any long-term security whatsoever. And he could pr produce a lot in fantasy for 2021 and still be replaced if the Eagles don't win a lot of games. That's really where I'm at on Hurts. If you're a contender, I I like it because he's going to help you win this year. If you're in rebuild mode, I'm probably getting rid of Hurts. Yeah, it's very low job security, but he has one of those players that could score you a lot of fantasy points, but the NFL is completely different from fantasy football when it comes to some of these aspects, when it comes to these players. Hurts was, again, never drafted to be the starting quarterback. He was drafted to be yeah. a Taysom Hill-type quarterback. So when I ask you this, would you rather have Mac Jones or Jalen Hurts? Jalen Hurts. So just because the upside there, not for the one year or? Well, if you're asking me right now, I'd rather have Jalen Hurts. If Mac Jones goes to the 49ers, I'd rather have Mac Jones. So it's landing spot depending where Mac Jones lands. Uh, yeah, assuming that Mac Jones gets the draft capital that his talent deserves, then I would rather have Jalen Hurts. If and <laughs> the 49ers make a mistake and draft Mac Jones at three, then I'd rather have Mac Jones. So let's say Mac Jones ends up on the Broncos. I'll take Jalen Hurts. Okay. I'm just curious about the line right there. 
But yeah, he can be a great player. He, he might be able to carry you a little bit as long as he holds down the job because he's definitely going to score a lot of fantasy points. We know rushing quarterbacks, that's like a cheat code. It's been known as the Konami code a lot of times in fantasy football, but you just don't know how long that's going to last. And we've seen a lot of quarterbacks like this burn out very quickly. One, in their total career length that they even stay the starter for a while because it is based on their athletic performance because his arm isn't great. I believe he had like a 57% completion percentage. It was lower than that, but I'm not too worried about the completion percentage. It's more that I'm just not sure. Really, the only time he's ever succeeded to a great degree as a passer was in his final college season. In his final college season at Oklahoma, he was actually a good passer. Outside of that, he wasn't anything great as a passer at Alabama, and he wasn't great as a passer in the NFL. So could he develop into a passer with a full off season with that kind of stuff? Sure. I mean, I don't think he is incapable of throwing the ball, but is that going to happen? I'm not a hundred percent sure. It's, it's a risky call there, but just something to keep in the back of your mind with all of that. But Tyler has him behind Mac Jones and I just want to see what landing spot is. Well, I mean, what I, draft have capital is. I have him ahead. I, I mean, he has Mac yeah. Jones behind yeah, Mac yeah, Jones behind. Yeah. Um, and there's always, I feel like there's a lot of debate between Hertz and Tua. I am going to stick with my rankings and stick with Tua. And I, mean, I, would go, I would also go Tua. Just in Dynasty, just for job security. Like, we know he's getting two more yeah. years. But if you're on a 1QB, just take Hertz and take his one season. I, I'm 1QB, I don't care. You can manufacture that. You can trade yeah. for those guys. They're not as expensive you can use seconds and thirds and decent players to get other ones you want ceiling in a one qb league and that's where hertz is like Correct. significantly higher because his ceiling is so high that he could he could be a top five fantasy quarterback based on his legs alone like, and i don't care about longevity it's so easy to get a quarterback in one qb you can get them whenever but in superflex uh you have to value that longevity and job security and hertz has uh, next to none of that <laughs> Speaking of next to none job security or longevity, let's talk about Jordan Love really quick. He does not have an ADP because he was drafted a third rounder later, so I don't know what his ADP was in Dynasty um, Superflex last year. Uh, but was probably he was definitely drafted. He was in the uh, thirds. He was his average draft was in the third round, so he was in low hurts. Generally, I found that Love was a late second round. I put RIP just because he's kind of worthless. Is he though? He's, he's not completely okay. He just has no direct track unless Rogers leaves. And I'm not well, sure when, how long Rogers is going to be gone for. And is he even good is the other question. Packers declined to restructure Rogers contract. They could have pushed money into next year. Like the Falcons did with Matt Ryan. And essentially the Falcons by doing that committed to Matt Ryan in 2022 by making it so they couldn't get out of that contract. Packers declined to do that with Aaron Rodgers. They, uh, they paid him his bonus this year. They didn't reduce his cap hit and they can escape his contract next year, saving, I believe around 22 million if they want to. And I assume that they'll still be able to get something for Rodgers and trade, assuming he's not injured. So they could trade him away as well. Save the same money. I would not say that if they had restructured Rogers contract, I would say that Jordan love was worthless, but the second that they didn't do that, I actually pushed Jordan love significantly up in my dynasty rankings because I'm assuming that the, this is it. This is it for Rogers and green Bay. 
Uh, this is going to be his last season there. Everything that they've done tells me that they're going all in for this year, and then Rodgers is going to be moving on to another team for 2020. But the other question is, is Jordan Love even good? That's the oh, question. I have no idea. That's, <laughs> that's a separate question, but I, I think he's going to get a chance to start. It's very difficult to trade up for a quarterback in the first round and then just... I don't know. I not use maybe, maybe what I'm saying is I think that Jordan Love is a good dynasty buy and super flex. What are you offering for him right now? Uh, my price on him has significantly increased since the last time we talked about him. Right now, I have him equal in value to the 212. Okay, I, I, that's not bad because it's essentially about where he's go. He went last year. Um, you're not really risking too much, and the class drops off this year, at least to me, in that early to mid second round. I don't hate it. Yeah. And just for the potential, like a lot of times, yeah, I mean, that's all I can really say is I don't hate it. There's there's definitely something that could be there. Quarterbacks are very scarce in super flex leagues. Again, the team just had nothing good to say about him last year. So I wouldn't really pay more than that, like late second. But if they weren't going to transition to him, then they would have restructured re- Rogers contract and they didn't do that. But they have they so many more that. options in the amount of time they have until next year, until the not the next off season when this becomes a bigger deal. Well, not really. I mean, they've already paid his uh, roster bonus, and they've multiple times, when asked, declined to convert more of his base salary into a signing bonus and push his out, which they could do, by the way, without working with him. They have the unilateral option to do that, and they've declined to do that on multiple occasions. That tells me that they do not want to commit to Aaron Rodgers for 2022. So but we'll see what they do when that bridge comes, but they're, they're trying to leave themselves an easy way out from Aaron Rodgers. That's what they want to do. Interesting. So definitely keep an eye for Jordan Love on the radar. He's probably on someone's taxi squad just chilling down there. So maybe you can get him as a throw in yeah. or just maybe throw out that late second, early third, and maybe someone gets it done. I also do think Jordan Love is bad, by the way. Like, I don't <laughs> think Jordan Love is actually good, but that's that's a separate story. Yeah, that would definitely hurt Devontae Adams yes. significantly if they move on from Aaron Rodgers. But that, again, that's a story for 2022 and beyond. So running backs, the exciting stuff. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was the 102 in ADP for Superflex as of May 2020. He had a good year. 803 rushing yards, four rushing touchdowns, 36 receptions, 297 receiving yards, one receiving touchdown. Solid year in 13 games, but he gets a lot of flack based on this because he was taken the only running back in the first round last year to the most high-powered offense or presumed to be at the time. What's your opinion on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? Is he a bust or is he just put too much on his shoulders? Well, unfortunately, I haven't gotten to the conclusion of the article that I'm writing about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire right now. So good timing, right? Uh, I'm right in the middle of it. Uh, Let's just say that I use DLF's ADP comparison tool to graph Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's ADP against the other big five running backs in the class. And let's just say that that graph encapsulates the story of why people are angry about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in uh, one chart. It's not because of what Clyde did in his rookie season. It's because of what everyone else did in their rookie seasons. He was disappointing compared to every other rookie running back who did better. That That's really what's going on. It's, it's like, similar to that Joe Burrow with, we saw another player, we saw Herbert do better, but this is like we saw multiple players. Multiple players, yeah. Do better. So you're feeling worse and worse with each one. Like I could add him or Despite him. Despite the that fact that, that Clyde played for Kansas City. 
What? Even though he played for Kansas City, he still did worse than these other players. And he actually didn't do worse than them. Like, Clyde Edwards-Solaire had a better rookie season than like, Cam Akers. But we don't see it. We don't remember it that way. Because, because of the way Clyde, it went down. And then no, came at the end of the season. Exactly, yeah. Because Clyde's strong performance was at the beginning. And Cam Akers was at the end. So that's why we don't remember that. But with that said, I... I think with Clyde, you got to re reformat your expectations. After Damian Williams opted out, I only know all of this because I literally wrote it yesterday. <laughs> After Damian Williams opted out, Clyde was like a top five running back and top five overall in one QB. I don't know where he ranked in Superflex, but essentially he, he was, was the a first round, first round last year. He was the first round dynasty startup pick. So he's never going to be that. Unfortunately, you should have sold then. That was the highest his value is ever going to be. I don't think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is ever going to be that. I think we saw that. Now, can he still be a mid to back-end RB1 for multiple seasons on the Chiefs? Yes. Do I think that's what he will be? Yes. That's actually exactly what I'm predicting. I just don't think he's ever... He's not going to be Christian McCaffrey. He's not going to be Ezekiel Elliott on the Chiefs. He's just not going to be that. He's not going to carry that tight. He's not going to be the next Todd Gurley. The good version of Todd Gurley, that is. Not the one with no knees. But again, I think the hate on Clyde has gone too far. I see people like saying that he's a complete bust. I really just don't think so. I think he's a, a solid buy in Dynasty, actually. Someone we, we I would are completely love. in the same boat once again. Like I think he, just because the hate is so much, he also had, what, five... Um, touchdowns called back from him that would change his outlook 100 based on the points so he's still in a great offense he's going like the fourth round of startups right now which is significantly later than i think a lot of players he's the last of the rookie running backs um by far and not that i'm saying he shouldn't be there but i'm saying he's so far behind that he's worth picking up and he's definitely buyable now, and he's going to be an RB1. That offense is going to make sure it happens based on just availability of points that team puts up. And who's behind him right now? We have Daryl Williams, Williams and Darwin Thompson. Yeah, they, the Chiefs uh, obviously released Damian Williams to sign with Bears. But also, they, they had the opportunity to, to sign someone relatively significant in free agency, and they declined to do so. They, they could have signed Leonard Fournette. They could have signed Philip Lindsay. I mean, there were options. And I think that they aren't intending to do that. I mean, they were linked to Giovanni Bernard, which I think that would have been, that would not have scared me. Like when it comes to, if the, if your backups are Daryl Will, you have to have backup running backs on an NFL team. If your second, if your RB2 is Giovanni Bernard, uh, how much less competition do you want? What, what do you want them to not have any running backs on the team? I expect them to sign someone like that or draft someone in the fourth or the fifth round, potentially, but nobody who's any significant threat to... Especially in the passing game. And that's the biggest thing. He's going to keep that passing down to work. If they pick up anybody, they're probably going to be a one or two down thumper. That's just going to like alleviate him a little bit. I just yeah. think, I think Clyde is safe. Like he's, he's a guy I would love to have as my RB2, but I'd be fine with him as my RB1. Yeah, he's the kind of guy I would often end up with as my RB1. Yeah, because you're usually getting those receivers and yeah. quarterbacks. And then, yeah, that's, I've, I have a few teams like that. And I'm pretty happy with it, the way the startups went this year. Um, just to give an idea, I would prefer Clyde over veterans such as Miles Sanders, who we talked about earlier, Aaron Jones, James Robinson, and Austin Eckler. I, I would prefer to have Clyde over all of those players. I, I completely agree with that. I just think age, 
the team he's on, the contract he has, because you have to take into account also, they have a fifth-year option on him, so you might get an extra year of him on the Chiefs before we have to worry about his, his whole contract. That's, That's the one yeah. big thing to pay attention is to when um, players are drafted, especially running backs. They get one extra year of their contract with their team that we don't have to worry about a second contract, which doesn't always happen. Yeah, and I also uh, would prefer Clyde uh, over all the running backs in this year's class outside of Najee Harris. So, I can agree with that based on draft capital as well. So I, I would rank him behind Harris, but ahead of Etienne and Javante Williams and everyone else. So the presumed definitely top one to three dynasty running back was next on the board. He went 103 as of May 2020. Jonathan Taylor of the Indianapolis Colts, 1,169 rushing yards, 11 touchdowns, 36 receptions, 299 receiving yards, one receiving touchdown in 15 games. What more can you say? He's he's probably just what behind Christian McCaffrey, maybe Saquon. Not so far. No, he, he's saying like he's in that range of like that elite tier of running. Back. Yeah, uh, he's elite. Uh, he what did he finish? Third in the NFL in rushing yards in his rookie season. Third or fourth, I believe, in the NFL in rushing yards as a rookie. So with a slow start, with a very slow start, with a very slow start. On top of that, I, I'm very. I love Jonathan Taylor. I, I think he's immensely talented. I have little to no concern over really anything with him. And uh, yeah, he's a stud. I I don't have any concerns. We, that we don't have too much to say on this one. Like, no. There, there's, there's not much to break down. He is elite. He's a first-round dynasty pick. If you got him in that 103, just be happy. You Celebrate. Know? And uh, if there's any buying window because the Colts signed Marlon Mack, go buy him now. I, I, think, I, I think that window wasn't there, and the window shut hard like two days when people realized, like, what am I thinking? Yes, but you never know. There are always uh, people who aren't as smart out there. So I mean, always always send out feelers is what we're Try saying it. on that. Let's just go to the next guy. There's not much yeah, to say. Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor, Taylor is great. We love him. There's there's not too much to talk about. Um, a player I love, actually, is uh, J.K. Dobbins was next on the list. He was the 105 in Superflex ADP as of May 2020. 805 rushing yards, 9 touchdowns, 18 receptions, 110 receiving yards, no receiving touchdowns in 15 games. What's your opinion on J.K. Dobbins? So I like J.K. Dobbins, but he's not my favorite of we're going to get to some other guys that I like more. Uh, I just, I don't know. I I worry that he's not going to get the workhorse role. Lamar Jackson takes a lot of rushing. They have Gus Edwards there as well. Lamar doesn't tend to throw to the running backs, which is a shame because Dobbins uh, – is perfectly capable of doing very well in the passing game. So that's a little bit of a shame. And uh, yeah, I just, I like him. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I, I prefer, for example, I would prefer to have JK Dobbins over Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And we just talked about how I still liked Clyde and I, I would prefer to have Dobbins. Actually, I don't even have them in the same tier. I have Dobbins in a higher tier to give you an idea. But when it comes to, you know, guys like Jonathan Taylor, I'd much rather have Taylor. And we're going to get to other guys that I just think are a little bit safer and also have a little bit more upside. So, yeah. But if, if you spent the pick on J.K. Dobbins, you're pretty happy with it, right? Yeah, I mean, he's a great player. He has some of the best contact balance of anyone from this class or in the NFL. Again, it's just a shame he's capped by the receiving game. He's going to be sharing the workload between Lamar Jackson and Gus Edwards, who they re-signed as well. So, I mean, they are the most run-heavy team in the NFL, but... It's true. 
I I like Dobbins a lot. Again, don't hear what I'm not saying. I just think he doesn't have that can be the RB1 ceiling like Jonathan Taylor has. Like even Clyde Edwards player, I think is lower, but has a higher ceiling potential based on the offense and based on the workload he's in. Maybe. I, I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, it depends on how it goes. I just think Dobbins... The, the touchdowns Do- are lucky. So it's possible that all the touchdowns go Dobbins' way. Yeah. And I think there's going to be more rushing touchdowns in the Ravens offense than there are going to be in the Chiefs offense. I mean, when we saw the best of Mark Ingram, it was his touchdown efficiency. And Dobbins has very good touchdown efficiency is what got him up into that RB1 talk. So that's something we have to always consider as well. And don't forget that Dobbins finished very strong, which is what we like to say. Yeah, and that's why, again, Mark Ingram was dead in the water by the end of the season. The only worry is it's going to be that one of those like annoying things to watch in the games is watching Lamar Jackson or watching Gus Edwards come into the game and run when you want Dobbins to have the ball. Yeah. So was, well, I don't think watch, watching Lamar come in and run will be annoying. I, th- I think watching Gus Edwards come in and run will be <laughs> the annoying thing. Lamar Jackson deserves his carries. Like, oh, 100%. Don't, yeah. don't, don't, don't listen to that and you know hear that, I, that we don't think Lamar Jackson is exceptionally talented as a runner because he is. As a Dobbins owner, okay, just you, always want it, you always want your player to get the ball. That's all you want. That's you want your player. Correct. Yes, <laughs> of course. Anything else on Dobbins? I think he's great. We're going we're gonna to eventually do no. a redo on the rookie um, draft, but let's go on to the next guy. Uh, one of the most polarizing players who's been climbing up draft boards this offseason is DeAndre Swift of the Detroit Lions. 106 ADP last year. 521 rushing yards, eight touchdowns, 46 receptions, very high reception count, 357 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns and one big drop that he should have yes. had another receiving touchdown. One, though. I'm just saying, it, should, break. it doesn't mean you can't remember, you always remember that in 13 games. <laughs> that hurts so bad. Um, yeah. That was a game-winning catch too. Um, true. But Swift, he's been climbing above a lot of players and hitting that second round on uh, ADP, sometimes in the third and the early third. But he's probably, of this draft class, the second or third drafted running back right now. Do you agree with that evaluation? I do. I have him as the second after Taylor. I think that he's the second best. That's why I have him as the second running back from this rookie 2020 rookie class. I, I like him. I think it's a shame that he's stuck in Detroit. I feel bad for him. Uh, he does have less competition for touches in the running game than J.K. Dobbins. I think that Gus Edwards is more of a threat than Jamal Williams and uh, certainly not on Johnson. And then also uh, Jared Goff does not run the ball. So, And also Jared Goff likes to throw the running back. So DeAndre Swift has higher potential for receptions and he doesn't have a running quarterback competing with him for goal line carries. Yeah, I, I like DeAndre Swift at his value. I I think that he's a little bit actually kind of undervalued right now. People are starting to jump off him more than they should. I wouldn't jump off him, but I wouldn't be like wanting to pay his current price. I'd rather get someone else at their price than what uh, Swift is right now. There is a world where that offense is just so bad that he can't get enough points is the hardest thing. there. The touchdown upside is not there in that offense, what we see right now, because there's no one opening up downfield. They're pretty much going to be guarding Hawkinson and Swift right now. And unless all the touchdowns go to him, we could be seeing a season where it's just literally like a PPR back, just like death by a thousand catches, which isn't a bad thing. I just think with that second round eval, it's hard for me to get there. Not because of the talent, but because like what I'm going to get right away. I'm fine paying it. I think I'd be the one paying it personally. I would, I I would try to get a little bit under that, but that's why I don't have a lot of Swift. Probably I got other guys in that range as well, but. 
I guess that's about all we're going to say about Swift is we just see that a little bit differently. But Probably, they restructure Goff's contract there as well, just so he's like, he's there until 2023. So Goff sucks. He's terrible. He, uh, he might be there, but if he can't throw the ball, he's going to be replaced if he's that bad. We saw what happened to Carson Wentz. He was awful. And then uh, the Eagles shipped him out, no matter what the dead cap cost was. If Goff is as awful as I think he is, he will not last there very long. I guess we will see. I'm, I'm not a Goff guy at all. I just think his contract says he's going to be there for a little bit. But well, I just think he's so bad that I don't care what his he's contract is. He's going to force their hand to pay like the $40 million. If you're that bad, if you're that bad, you get replaced. doesn't matter what your contract says. The Rams did it. The Rams ate a rid- Remember, one team is already in a ridiculous amount of dead cap to get rid of this quarterback off of their team. That means the second team might do the same. That would be the dumbest thing. They traded for him and then dumped him and ate the cap after restructuring him. But that is the Detroit Lions. Uh, the yeah, you, you just said that you expected the Detroit Lions to make smart decisions. This is an unreasonable expectation. <laughs> Um, let's go to the team that Goff was traded from. Cam Akers of the Rams. Cam the Ram, 107 as of May 2020 Ooh. ADP. 625 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, 11 receptions, 123 receiving yards, one receiving touchdown in 13 games. Does he warrant the price he has right now? Because he's been as high as um, very rarely, but a first-round pick, but usually in that second, third range. He's he's Now he's gotten too high for me. Uh, I don't. I don't like his current price anymore. I mean, I, I have him at, I have him between Swift and Dobbins. Actually, I have Swift ahead and Dobbins behind acres. I'm Dobbins. So, I, I've been known as like, not a, and the opposite of a cam truther. Like I'm not, I'm not out on him, but I never want to pay his price. Like I have guys ahead of him that we haven't even talked about yet. Yeah, I don't. So I, I, I guess we don't have an acres truther on this podcast because I'm someone who's okay with him. I liked him at what his price was. I thought he was a massive value. And now he his price went way beyond where I had him and vaulted significantly above that. So now I'm not in on him at his current price. Yeah, the pendulum swung way too far the other way. And I'm excited for the optimism they have. I and mean, the Stafford does, yeah. again, increase the ceiling of the offense. Stafford throws to running backs too. He used theoretic. Uh, unnecessarily so like Stafford is big on throwing to running backs we'll see what that actually means we didn't see as I mean we saw a decent amount of switch he's probably the most receptive of anybody but how that often wants to run I think Cooper Cup might see more of an uptick than anything else but they didn't have a, a slot receiver for a while as well so it just depends how often Cam how often does Cam actually light up with that? he only had 11 receptions last year they had a slot receiver the whole time they had Golden Tate there no I mean when Golden Tate left they just didn't have anybody oh, sure, but like you know, Riddick and Tate overlapped for the whole time, and they—he still was a dump off machine. I, Do you I expect Acres to be the guy that catches the passes. We're not going to see any Daryl Henderson at all. Daryl Henderson is trash. So no, <laughs> no, no. I he Daryl Henderson is awful. I mean, he couldn't stay on the field. He like looked good on. We're getting into the Chase Edmonds story again. He looks good on like two carries, but as soon as you give him like any sort of significant work. He gets injured. He tires. He doesn't look good. Cam Akers is a workhorse back. It's a workhorse back. I mean, just look at what he did in college. He's a workhorse then. He's a workhorse now. And I just think that DeAndre Swift is so much better, even though his situation is awful. 
compared to Akers' situation. I just don't think Akers is the receiver everyone thinks he's going to be. He, he would have gotten more targets last year if he was. So again, we talked about Jared Goff likes to throw to the running back, and he I only got 11 receptions. I think he can do it. That's the thing. I think he can do it, and he will. And the reason I've changed my mind and I have Acres ahead of Dobbins is because I think Acres will receive more opportunities to get receptions than Dobbins, and I think that both are capable of doing it. Neither is the excellent receiver that Swift is, which is why, again, why Swift ranks above these two players because I think Swift is an excellent receiver, and that's what I want in PPR. But I don't see too much of a difference between Acres and Dobbins' receiving ability. And I just expect Akers to see significantly more targets than I do Dobbins. That's why Dobbins is lower. Just because I don't, the target volume is not coming. It's just not. Lamar I, Jackson. I guess we will ball. see how it goes. I just don't. Someone that got 11 receptions last year. I don't know how many more I can really add to him in that range. So. Playing time early in the season. When was he get like in the games that he got and he played, he had plenty of rushing volume. What? What's up? I think he might just be the thumper. He might just be that guy that, and that's good. I don't think he's bad. I just don't think he's not. To me, he's not near his price tag. I I I just think that you're gonna see him be a workhorse back, and his price tag says workhorse back in a good offense. With so here's the thing: like you saw that Jonathan Taylor, when he had a quarterback in Philip Rivers who liked to throw to the running back, he received probably more receptions than people expected, more targets than people expected. That's what I think is going to happen with Akers this year. I think that they're going to, if he's on the field for 75 to 80% of the snaps, which is what I expect, he is going to receive receptions. That is going to happen. I think it's going to be an uptick, but I don't see more than like 20 to 25. And he, oh, I just, I strongly disagree with that. I, I would project him around 35 to 40. I would say. So you, you put him in that range of like the Jonathan Taylor last year, the receptions. We're talking. Yeah. What did Taylor have? 30? 36. 36. 36. Okay. Yeah. I think that that's fair. I think that that's fair around, around there, 35 to 40. For someone, again, who I think is average, he, he is average in the receiving game, but he can do it and he's going to be con- consistently on the field. And if you're on the field, you have the opportunity to receive targets. I guess we'll see with that. I just don't see that reception total being that high, but that's we'll find out next year. If so, it is that high, he's going to succeed. That, that's well, the- yes, because if you're going to get 36 receptions or 40 receptions, you're going to be a good running back in the NFL yeah. almost, period, because he's a good runner. I don't say he's not a good runner. I just think that is something yeah, lacking so, in the so game. It's, it's the receptions uh, that we disagree on. It's the receptions and price tag. It's not the fact that I think he's going to be bad by any means. I'm not like, oh, I'm so, I'm like against yeah. drafting, John, against drafting Although- Cam Akers. <laughs> Just, I'm against drafting Cam Akers as high as he is. Just note that his price tag is higher than I have him. You know, the price tag even for me is a little too high. All right, so I'm going to speed by a couple of these really quick because these are kind of the bust range that we talked about. Keyshawn Vaughn mentioned earlier, 109 <laughs> rushing yards, no, five receptions. It. He's not worth it. And he's 10 games. Released. He's he went, released by the Bucks. He went the 201 in average last year. So yep. the 13th overall pick. Sorry. Zach Moss was the 207 last year. So that would be the 19th overall pick. 481 rushing yards, four touchdowns. 14 receptions for 95 yards, one touchdown in 13 games. Kind of a disappointment. Zach Moss, he's fine. He's, but he's stuck in that offense. Yeah, I don't know if that's a disappointment, but I, I think people were really expecting Singletary to take the lead role anyway. And that's not why Zach Moss failed, but he failed for another reason because he's not very good. Yeah, so let's just move on to the next one. Zach Moss is out of this range. He's definitely he's, he's someone you should keep on your roster, but that's it. No one you're excited to start? No. 
AJ Dillon, big talk early in the offseason and then flopped whenever uh, Aaron Jones resigned. He had one he good had, game, but huh? he had one good game. Yeah, he had a great game. He was but, in the 210 yeah. last year was his ADP, so he was the 22nd overall pick. 242 rushing yards, two touchdowns, two receptions for 21 yards in 11 games. But that's about his price now. Yeah. So like he, he broke even. AJ Dillon at the 210, you're in a super flex, you're probably not that upset about it. I mean, you got someone who can play in the NFL, who has handcuff value. I mean, essentially, to me, you got, like, think about what Alexander Madison provides. Think about that on, like, major steroids, and that's what you have with AJ Dillon. Yeah, I mean, he actually increased in value to me, but he's still... Me too. So I have him in, like, the mid, like, 205, 206 range now, and he went 210. Yeah, around there. Yeah, so I was surprised. I'm usually the AJ Dillon hater. I just never got the ceiling point of, like, wanting him in the first round. He, he might be a good he might be a good buy actually. He might, he might be the best handcuff. Him and Tony Pollard. He is the close. best. No, he is the best handcuff. He is for me. Very exciting player. Went and the 212th 24th overall pick is Antonio Gibson. 795 rushing yards, 11 touchdowns, big touchdown total. 36 receptions, 247 receiving yards, no receiving touchdowns in 14 games. He is probably the biggest draft riser of any of them. Uh, next to the guy yeah. we'll talk about next. It, no, he's not. The 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 one the next one is. But oh, yeah, well, of the draft of the drafted ones. Yeah. Yes. Gibson is a huge riser, and I I like him. I just think I, he has the he, yeah. he has the ability to be a better receiver. That's what he was in college. He was a wide receiver. True. Pretty much converted to running back. This is his first year getting significant running back carries. He did well. I think his touchdowns will balance out his receiving and rushing. So I, I think 11's probably about maybe average eight to 11 per year. I don't think it's gonna be too much more than that because there are other options than offense, but he'll be good. Low end RB one higher yeah. with reception. Yeah. I like, I mean, I like him, but for me, it's, it's a toss up for me between him and Clyde Edwards. Hilaire. I, I lean toward Gibson, but they're very close. I, I don't, Gibson to me is not in the same caliber as players like Swift, Akers, and Dobbins. I, I like those three significantly more. I have Akers in that same tier as them, but again, I'm a little bit lower in Akers than most. I have him in that Clyde Gibson tier personally. That's why I never own him. Yeah, I just I Akers is a workhorse and Gibson is not. So I think uh, I, I think he could be. I think he could. I think he's a better receiver as well. I don't think so. I, I just I just don't see it. I I don't. He wasn't a workhorse in college, and I don't think he's going to be one now. I uh, I just that's just not how I see him really playing personally. So that's something we definitely disagree on. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really excited about how we're going to do the redo draft in a few weeks. So it's going to be an exciting one. This one is the biggest riser though. James Robinson of the Jacksonville Jaguars ADP. I put question marks. Because he, he didn't have an ADP. He didn't have an ADP. He was maybe a fourth rounder at best in most drafts. He wasn't a fourth rounder in any drafts. I, I didn't even know who he was. 1,070 rushing yards, seven touchdowns, 49 receptions, 344 yards on the reception, three receiving touchdowns in 14 games. Crazy for Crazy. an undrafted running back. What, what more could you ask for? Nothing. You, you couldn't ask for any more, really. I mean, that that's it. That, that you it's the best season an undrafted running back best rookie season UDFA might've ever had. Right. I mean, it's, I, it's hard for me. Better to think than Lindsay's. Oh, significantly. Yeah. Lindsay was the bar beforehand. And this is another guy 
has his price gotten too high? Because I personally believe he's around a third round ADP right now in startups. The thing I would say is I think this was his best season he's probably going to have. I don't know. It depends on what you think of his price. I mean, I'd much prefer like Gibson and Edwards Alaire. I would much prefer, like I have Edwards Alaire and Gibson in a higher tier than Robinson. So I don't, if they're close to each other, I'm never going to have Robinson. If that means do, do you think that 49 receptions is repeatable with Trevor Lawrence coming in? Yes. I think that's the repeatable part. So you think the rushing efficiency goes down, but the reception yeah, stays the same. I mean, he's just not going to have 95% of the snaps. Nobody does. Carlos Hyde being signed there is a big deal. When it no, comes to it's that. not that Carlos Hyde signing there is a big deal. It's that nobody has 95% of the opportunity. Like Christian McCaffrey does, and that's it. One player. Like, and Christian McCaffrey, even we saw last year with having that workload for so long, it's put you susceptible to injury. Remember the conversation we were having about Acres? Like I said, a workhorse was 75 to 80%. And that was apparently, you know, you could say that was optimistic. 95% is not happening. It's unheard Dave of. Robinson is not a unique, special talent. The reason he wasn't drafted, like there's, there's a, yeah, like, drafted. the entire NFL didn't completely miss on this player. I mean, they did, but they didn't. They, like, oh no, they did. They missed, but I don't think that he's like this the exceptional. best running back ever. Like he's going to probably have about, I would guess around 70% of the touches. He's good. I mean, I would not be upset if he is my RB2. I'd be fine with him. Everyone, same in that Clyde Edwards Hilaire idea. I do worry about his longevity because he doesn't have any draft capital at all behind him. Yeah. But based on their signings, I don't think they're taking a running back this year, or at least a significant one, because of the Carlos Hyde signing. We yeah. could see a change in that offense. I think he's safe for this year. He'd be one of those guys that'd be looking to kind of sell in the middle of the season or like upgrade, use him in something else to find someone I like better. I, I do want to comment, though, that I, I hear people saying on podcasts that they don't think that James Robinson is going to be the Jaguar starter this year. And I would say that if you're listening to those people, you should realize that those people are relatively uninformed about what the Jaguars have been saying. They're making it very clear that the kind of players they want to add are complimenting James Robinson in the running back room. If they draft someone in the draft, it'll be on day three. Uh, maybe they could draft someone in the late third. But again, if they draft someone in the late third, or early fourth round, we're talking about a complimentary piece or a backup at that point. We're not talking about a starter. Well, the team needs depth. That every, every team offense does. needs depth. I don't think that James Robinson and Carlos Hyde alone is sufficient. So unless they think that Reichel Armstead is coming back from his COVID hospitalization that apparently lasted for four months and he's going to return to the NFL, you know, I feel bad for Armstead. It's but very unfortunate, it, yeah. It is very unfortunate, but I, I just... I'm not assuming that Armstead is ever playing in the NFL. You're game. not a Divine Exhibo guy? No. Uh, so I think that they might add some sort of running back, and I would say the fourth round would be about right. Just so that, let's say that like a Chuba Hubbard. Okay, I don't, I don't really care. I mean, yeah. that's kind of – I'm expecting it. Yeah. I have him priced as if they're going to add someone in the fourth round. So that would mean my price would, would remain. If they added nobody – his price might go up. And if they added someone more significant, his price would go down. I mean, that's, that's how it works. But I, I just will say once again, there are people who are still claiming that they think that James Robinson will not be the Jaguars 2021 starting running back. Those people are wrong. I, I was that guy early in the offseason because I foresaw them doing something in free agency. And their something was Carlos Hyde. Yeah. 
when they when the something is Carlos Hyde, he is the starter. Well, Robinson is the starter. Yeah, that's what I mean. No, that's yeah. I mean. when yeah. when when the only something you sign is Carlos Hyde, you're not moving to Carlos Hyde to be the starter. Well, you're going to keep with the guy you have. It's obvious. It just listen. Go look at the Jaguars GM. What the Jaguars GM said about the running back room. We are building a running back room around James Robinson. That is not we're bringing in a running back to replace James Robinson. That's not like what Arizona, for example, said about Chase Edmonds. He's the starting running back right now. We can't the go Jaguars one show without talking about Chase Edmonds. Right, but the Jaguars said that we are building a running back room around James Robinson. You should read these things that the team say. They, they don't just, you know, they don't just say this stuff for no reason. He didn't have to say that. James Robinson is a 2021 starter. You should feel safe with him for 2021 with Trevor Lawrence coming in. But... He doesn't, he's an undrafted free agent. He doesn't have long-term security. He could be replaced in 2022. Just keep that in mind when you're handling James Robinson. Yeah, but most likely you got him for free. So don't be too upset if it does oh, kind of burn out. Like you got him for literally nothing. Like he was on waiver wires in dynasty leagues. You already got an RB1 season for nothing. Yeah. So like, you know, any complaints at this point are, are minimal. It's again, that fear of missing out. But again, you got what you, more than what you would ever expect from a player like that. So if you've, even if you sell out on him midway through the year, you've got much more than what you paid for him. That's all we can ask for and a would, lot of the time. I would sell him. If you're 0-5, he's not someone I would want to keep on my team throughout a rebuild. Yeah, kind of like with that same idea with Jalen Hurts. He's not someone, if I'm in a rebuild mode, he's someone I'm shopping to try yeah. to get someone out there because I don't see them with, again, the safety that you need for a rebuild. Because if you burn a player like that that has a good value right now in a rebuild you can set yourself back another year that's true and they're good examples of how youth is not the only thing you want in a rebuild it's not just get rid of all old players for all young players you have to you young players yes is what you want but you want young players with longevity and safety who will hold their value over time in a rebuild it's not just youth just to keep that in mind as a general strategy point yeah, definitely great there. But that wraps it up for our show today. Ran a little bit over, but we got a lot of great information inside of there. Next week, we'll be doing the wide receivers and tight ends. Tight end? How many we got there? Not many. but Not many, yeah. <laughs> that won't take as long. Yeah, but the wide receiver we'll definitely d- dive into next week as well. Anything you want to add before we get out of here, Tyler? No, it's really just, uh, it's great to look back at the 2020 class. It's probably one of the best draft classes we've ever had. That's why this episode took so long. There's so many, especially with running back, there's so many running backs to talk about. And like, we like all of them. (laughs) So it's just a difficult conversation, but that just goes to show you rookie drafts are you can turn your dynasty team around in one rookie draft if you have enough picks. Yeah, if you have the right picks scenario, as long as you don't take a guy like Keyshawn Vaughn, that's all you got to that could have burnt you a little bit but guys thank you so much for listening we'll be back next week and talk to you soon